por otra vez, hermano. Quiero agradecer por, por apoyar el proyecto de las clases, de los salones de clase. Uh, he is very thankful for all those that are supporting um, all of the uh, classes. Y realmente cuando piensan en apoyar a una persona, no piensan solamente en una, sino una iglesia. Está, está impactando una iglesia. Oh, there it is. <laughs> cuando apoyan a una persona, realmente ustedes apoyan una iglesia, una comunidad. Uh, what you guys are doing here, uh, when you support these uh, people, don't think of it as if you're supporting a person. You are supporting a church. Y una comunidad entera. And a whole community. Entonces, ese es el impacto que ustedes pueden tener cuando apoyan ministerios como MEDA. And that is the impact that you guys have, uh, create when you guys support some, something like uh, MEDA Ministries. Y realmente... Yo crecí en una iglesia carismática, venía con muchas ideas equivocadas. And in reality, I grew up in a charismatic church and uh, my ideas were so wrong. Y a través del estudio de la palabra de Dios, Dios transformó mi vida completamente. And through the study of the word of God, God transformed my life completely. Y ahora estoy agradecido por ministerios como Meda. And now I'm very thankful for ministries like Meda. Y eso es lo que produce mi corazón querer enseñar en este ministerio. And that's what produces in my heart to want to teach in Meira. Quiero transmitir, quiero comunicarle a otros lo que a mí me han enseñado. I want to transmit, I want to communicate what I have been taught to others. Hoy en día tenemos estudiantes de Perú, Colombia, Ecuador, de Cuba, quienes están en el seminario. Uh, today we have uh, students from all of the places that he mentioned who are studying. Y estamos muy contentos de poder entrenarles en el ministerio. And we are so happy to be able to train these folks in the ministry. Actualmente tenemos 56 estudiantes en el seminario. Currently we have 56 students in the seminary. Y uno de los enfoques nuestros no solamente es enseñarles cómo manejar la Biblia. Uh, one of our focuses is not only to just teach them how to study the Bible. Queremos también que sean hombres de Dios. We also want them to be men of God. Queremos que sean hombres de carácter. Men of character. Hombres de familia. A men of family. Hombres que amen la iglesia tal como aman a Dios. Men that love the church just the way they would love God. Y eso es lo que nos enfocamos y para eso trabajamos. And that's what we focus on and that's what we work for. Entonces estamos agradecidos por lo que el Señor está haciendo en Honduras a través de personas como ustedes. And we are thankful to God for what the Lord is doing through folks like you. Y especialmente conociendo a Kike, que es una de las personas que ustedes apoyan. Uh, especially knowing uh, people like Kike, which is one of the gentlemen that we are supporting from this church. Y ver su crecimiento y su pasión por la palabra de Dios es algo que alegra mi corazón. And to see his growth and his passion for the word of God makes my heart um, so happy about it. Y hablando con él hace unos días atrás, él me compartía de sus deseos al terminar el seminario. And talking to him a few days ago, he was um, actually telling me about how he was enjoying the seminary. 
y qué es lo que quiere hacer en el futuro. Y él dice que quiere volver a su país, a Colombia, para predicar y enseñar a otros. Uh, and he says that he wants to go back to Colombia, which is where he's from, and he wants to teach and train other men. Y ese es nuestro deseo, que cada estudiante pueda entrenar a otro. And that is our desire, that every student that we train would go on and train others. Eso fue lo que me transmitieron a mí, y eso es lo que estoy comunicando a otros. That's what it was transmitted to me, and that's what I'm communicating, communicating to others. Entonces, el impacto que pueden tener ustedes al apoyar una persona es sumamente grande. The impact that you folks um, generate through your support is, uh, it, it is great. Realmente, muchas veces ni pueden imaginar cuán grande puede ser el impacto de apoyar con algo pequeño. I feel that you guys just can't imagine how much uh, you guys are doing, the impact that you guys are doing. Entonces, muchas gracias por su apoyo. Gracias por eh, la oportunidad de estar aquí en esta mañana. Thank you for all the support and for the opportunity to be here this morning. En, durante el tiempo de almuerzo vamos a tener oportunidad de hablar más sobre el ministerio. Uh, during our time across the hall in the fellowship hall, we will have a chance to talk and get to know each other. Y pueden hacer las preguntas que deseen. Any questions that you desire to ask, uh, feel free to do so. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> wow. It's amazing what the Lord is doing in there. Thank you. I feel more comfortable in Spanish. That's why I asked Emmanuel to come and translate for me. I'm going to... My desire, my heart, is to glorify the Lord because I know there, there's people who invest in my life and I want to invest my time to train others because I know that it's what God wants me to do. This morning we want to talk about what, what it means to know Christ. First, Let's pray to our Lord. Wonderful Father, thank you so much for, what, for your faithfulness to us, your faithfulness to your people. Thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. We are so grateful for your mercy and your kindness. We are so grateful that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place. Help us love you more and more. Help us to receive what we need for our soul today. Because we want to live according to your will. We want to please you in every way. We want to know you more. Open our eyes to see your wonderful glory and majesty. Help me to magnify Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Help me to bring glory to your holy name. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen. When we think in the church, 
we see two groups of people. Those who grow up in a Christian home and those do not. And when we look these two groups, we realize that both of group of people have different challenge. On the one hand, the person grew up in a Christian home, going to church and listen to the Bible stories again and again, may have merely become a routine. It can be very possible that they do not truly know the God of who they have here so much. And if they know him, they're probably not passionate about him, for him. On the other hand, we have those who have come to know God later on, and then can be very passionate for God. However, their passion is without solid foundation because they're not, not, they do not possess true understanding of who God is. That is precisely what I want to talk to you about today. The difference between knowing Christ and simply knowing about him. Today I want to talk to you about a man who I'm sure you have heard of if you grew up in a Christian home. A man who was passionate and zealous. A man who was willing to fight for his belief. This man is Apostle Paul. A man devout to his belief. I would like to show you two passages that talk about Paul. Although in both of the passages we see his passion, his devotion. In this passage we also find a major contrast. Let's go to Acts chapter 9. Here we have a religious man. He was extremely zealous for what he followed and believed. A man who loved being Jews. He took great pride in being one. He defended his religion with all his might. During the same time, Jesus was being preached, and the number of his followers was growing. And Paul, like any Jew, passionate about his religion, opposite Jesus Christ, believing that that was his job to stop this movement. So, who was Paul? Or he was not at that time, Saul. Like I mentioned before, he was a Jew, born and raised a Jew. He had studied in Jerusalem under the teaching of leadership of Gamaliel, one of the most influential and gifted religious leaders of the day. When we look Acts in chapter A, we see that Paul or Saul began to persecute in the church. He was a dangerous man. In verse 1, we see that he was in full approval of the death of Stephen. But in the chapter 9, we see that Paul have a personal encounter face to face with Jesus. In that encounter, his whole world and life is turned upside down, even to the point to change his name. 
Look at chapter 9, verse 1. Now Saul is still breathing threats and murder against the disciple of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground, and hear a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Look at how he responded. And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and we will tell you what you must do. We have this personal encounter face-to-face to Jesus, or with Jesus. And I want you to go to Philippians 3. So you can see the difference. Philippians 3, verse 7. Philippians 3, verse 7 to 9 said, But whatever thing will gain to me, those things I have counted, as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for who I have suffered the love of all things and count them by rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. It may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, Derived from the law, but the which is true faith in Christ, the righteousness which come from God on the basis of faith. Paul went from being a man that caused great fear and doubt for the church to become one of the most influential missionaries of the day, planting churches in many different places and give up his life for the gospel by writing almost the half of the New Testament. Humanly speaking, a truly incredible man. We see a man who was transformed. The question is, what is it or who it is that allow him to be capable of doing something so outstanding as this. What it is that will change a man who was willing to do anything he could, not only to stop this so-called Jesus, but also anyone that will associate themselves with him. He was even willing to give up his life for what he believed was his life calling, his duty, passion, and commitment. What would so turn his world upside down that he will then be able to say that he was willing to lose everything for Jesus Christ? What was it that made it possible for Saul in Acts 9 become the Paul we see in Philippians 3? What is it? You know the only difference between those passages? Yes, because in both passages we see passion, devotion, 
The only difference that both passes is knowing Christ. That's the difference. Knowing Christ. In chapter 9, we see Paul asking Christ, Who are you, Lord? I don't recognize you, boy. Who are you? But in Philippians 3, he said, I count everything as lost for the sake of knowing Christ, my Lord. You see the difference? There is an essential difference between truly know someone and simply knowing about someone. What I'd like to show you in this passage in Philippians 3 is two key elements in the salvation of any human being. Two key elements in the salvation of any human being. Number one is understanding the surpassing value of the knowledge of Christ. Understanding the surpassing value of knowing of Christ. In other words, understanding and embracing the fact that knowing Christ is better. Better than anything else in this world. It is essential and fundamental part of our salvation to be sure that knowing Christ is superior to any other thing that may be attracted to us in this fallen world. There's too many things that want our attention in this world. And we need to be sure that knowing Christ is better. Better than anything else. The question for us is this one. Is Christ precious enough enough to you that you will be willing to leave everything else behind? I remember when I, in high school, when I told my friends, and I said, I'm a Christian now. When I said that, I lose a lot. I lose my friends, invitations. I lose a lot. But you know what? This is the price that we need to pay. Because we understand that knowing Christ is better than anything out. Look at what he said, what Paul said in Philippians 3 verse 9. But whatever thing were gained to me, this phrase, this word, may contrast what he previously been saying. In verse 4 he said, Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else have a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. Second says the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee. But he said in verse 7, But whatever thing were gained to me, see, whatever Whatever thing were gained to me. Here Paul is using an accounting term to help us see the way he which he previously viewed his accomplished and self-archive merit. He said, whatever, but whatever thing. It's sometimes we think carefully about this. We can see that this is the reality of every human being. He was so full of himself that there was no longer any space left for God in his life. He trusts what's said on his intellectual resources, personal virtues, 
in a disciplined life, honesty, modelly, even to the point to present this thing to God after they made them worthy of salvation, like license to get into heaven or credentials to get into heaven. And he said, but whatever, whatever thing were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss. Paul reject any personal merit for the sake of Christ. It is important to point out that Paul is not saying that the things he mentioned in verse 5 and 6 are bad things. But that in relation to salvation, they fail to possess any merit. This thing can be valued if they are done in a right way. Because it's, it's a great privilege it's a great blessing to belong to the chosen people of God, the people who God entrusts his scripture. It is a good thing to be passionate for God's truth and to try to live a blameless life. But authentic, without Christ, these things are not worthless and are able to do nothing to grant us salvation. In other words, it doesn't matter if you are trying to live a good life, it doesn't matter if you go every service in church. It doesn't matter if you grow up in a church. Because the only way to have a relationship with God is through Jesus, through faith, faith alone. We need to understand that knowing Christ is supreme, is better than anything else. That's why Paul said in verse 7, I have counted this thing as loss. I want you to notice this. In verse 7, he said, I count this thing as loss. But if you look at verse 8, he said, I count all things, all things, whatever it is. All things as loss. But there's something out. I want you to notice this. The verb that he used. In verse 7, he used the tense of the verse. He used it in the past. I have counted. But in verse 8, the verb is in the present tense. He said, I count. You notice that? It's amazing. From the moment of his conversion on the road of Damascus to Damascus, he understood that knowing Christ was everything. In Christ, he obtained everything he had been trying to for so long to earn through his own effort. But how would you know that Paul was convinced that knowing Christ is better? Because Look at what he said in the second part of the verse 8. He said, more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Other things, all other things are like nothing compared to the supreme gift of knowing Christ. That's the mark of the believer. 
His relationship with Christ is knowing Him. Imply a personal, intimate relationship with Him. It is more than just possess information about Him. You know, there's a lot of people in our country, I assume they're here too, they know a lot about Christ. Even they memorize verses. They know songs. The same song that we sing. When you ask them, they, they know where, where in the Bible is. But that's information about Christ. To have a relationship with Christ is more than that. More than information. It's interesting, the, the verb that he uses here, knowing Christ... That verb is more than intellectual knowledge. To know means know through experience or know on a personal level more than possess information about him. Whatever thing that Paul has busted before, his own righteousness, intellectual accomplishment, he now views as nothing. Now he boasting was in Christ, in Christ alone. That's why I love that song. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my lie, my strength, and my son. Because it's only in Christ. In Christ alone. That's what Paul wrote to the Colossians. He said, you don't need anything else. Only you need is Christ and no more. And nothing else. Because they're thinking that they need to add something more to their salvation. And they said, no. You are complete in Christ. You don't need anything out. Because if we have Christ, we have everything. That's why it is supreme to know him. That's why it's important to know him. Be sure that we know him and not only have information about him. Paul learned what it was to know Christ in the way to Damascus. And this experience, this encounter with exalted Christ, all made sense for Paul because he knew the law. He knew the Old Testament. And when he had this encounter with Jesus face to face, everything makes sense for him. And now, in this encounter, change everything for Paul. And my hope is today, maybe everything will change for you. Knowing, this, knowing Christ is better than anything else. Know the way he wish Paul referred to Christ. He said, Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus my Lord. Now we can see that he have a personal relationship with the Savior. To Paul, Christ was much more than just an example or friend. He was his life, his love, his strength, his glory, his rock. And as we see most clearly in this passage that we are looking at, Christ is his Savior. That's why he said, for me to live is Christ. He was willing to lose everything for Christ. 
That's why he said, for who I have suffered the loss of all things. This phrase can be translated as, I was deprived of all my possessions. Pointing to a specific moment in which he was transformed. Perhaps the apostle is thinking here about the way he had been treated by the Jewish authority. Maybe he was rejected by these Jews, dishonored by his own family, or probably his property confiscated. On the one hand, perhaps he was thinking more than general, and the fact that being faithful to Christ means being willing to renounce to everything he had come to treasure because it's worldly. Suffer for Christ. It's a privilege. That's what Philippians said. And he said, I count then as rubbish. The present tense account here indicates the attitude of Paul in that very moment. This word rubbish does not appear in any other place in the New Testament. It means done, manure, waste, or scrap which are thrown out for the dog to eat. It is much stronger word than loss, since it suggests something that must never be touched again. So, the first key element in the salvation of any human being is understanding the surpassing value of knowledge, Christ. The second is understanding the surpassing righteousness of Christ. Look at verse 9. And may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, derived from the law, but that which is true faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basic of faith. And may be found in him. Paul desires the Christ will be more and more fully his. Anytime that you lean on your own righteousness, even in the slightest, you cannot fully enjoy the righteousness of Christ. Both things are completely incompatible. It is necessary that one of these things be totally discarded if you want to enjoy either in absolutely manner. This is Paul longing that all of his brother and the faith will find themselves completely in him, united to Christ. Paul longed for his own life to show this truth. Christ and the believer and the believer in him. To be in Christ means that he no longer depends on some kind of righteousness associated with the law. That's why he said, and may be found in him, no having, he said, look at the verse 9, no having a righteousness on my own, derived from the law, but that which is true faith in Christ. So it's not by words of the law. The question is, how can humanity how can human beings be righteous before God? By keeping the law or by grace? To Paul, there was answer 
on the journal to Damascus. He understand that is only by faith. It's only by faith in Christ. That's what he said. But that which true faith in Christ. Faith is how a person receives the gift of God, grace in Christ. Faith and repent are two necessary pieces of making respond to the new covenant. The righteousness which comes from God on the basic of the faith. Righteousness is a gift of God. It is a way God who takes the initiative. God desires to all people be saved and have provided the way to making, making to be saved. And that is through Christ and Christ alone. We must respond and continue to respond to this offer that God made. But how? We're doing through repent, faith, obedience, service, and perseverance. It's the only righteousness that counts before God is the, is the of Christ credit to the sinner as divine grief, gift, free and deserved. It is logical then the only possi- possible way to obtain is to accept it. Let me tell you something. My goal is not to cast you about yourself but to challenge you to think seriously about this question. Do I know Christ? Or do I simply know about him? It doesn't matter if the church has been here for 50 years and you've been here for so long. There's people in our country, in our churches, been there in church for so long but we can't see fruit they work they serve they come to the every service but they don't know the Lord because everything they do is whatever they saw others to do Let me provide an example to you. Let's go to Daniel. We have the king Nebuchadnezzar. In Daniel chapter 2, we have the dream that he forget, and he asks all the wise men to reveal what he dreamed. Something impossible. Can you tell me what I dream? Imagine. And Daniel came to him beforehand. And you remember that Daniel asked for a couple of days. And so he went and prayed and asked others to pray too with him. So God revealed the dream to Daniel. And this is what King Nebuchadnezzar said to the end. In chapter 2, verse 47, he said this. You, God, is a God of God and a Lord of kings. You notice that? 
you got Daniel. You got is God is God. The Lord of King, but you got. In chapter three, we had the golden image. Remember Daniel's friend, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they refused to bow down to this image. He put it in the fire. And after that happened, look at how he responded. Verse 3, chapter 3, verse 28. Look at how he responded to that. He responded and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You see that? He said to Daniel, You God. Now to this man, to these three men, said, Blessed be the God of these three men. Blessed be you, God. But you see in verse 4, his humiliation. Look at how he responds. Beginning the first, verse 1, he said, Verse 2, may you peace abound, he said. It's good to me to declare. Chapter 4, verse 2. They said, it's good to declare, to me to declare the sign and wonder which the most high God has done for me. How great are his signs. And Hamai and his wonder, his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. And look at verse 37, 437. Now, I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the king of heaven for all his work. Are true and his way just, and he is able to humble those who walk in pride. Do you notice that? Chapter 2, he said, You God. Chapter 3, he said, The God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then, when he have an encounter face to face with God, he said, I, Nebuchadnezzar, Praise, exalt, and honor the King of Heaven. That's the difference between knowing Christ and know about Christ. Are you truly knowing? Are you follow this Christ? Are you willing to lose everything for Him? Are you willing to give everything you have for him? Sometimes we want to reserve something for us. And we're not willing to do or give everything we have for him. That's the price that we need to pay. When we understand that's better to know him. I was preaching about Hebrew a couple months ago. And you know what the author of Hebrew do? 
he explained why Christ is better. There was people who's thinking to go back. Chapter 10, you can read it in it. There's people who's thinking like, I probably need to go back. I think I need to go back. People like, we're talking about Christian, the really strong Christian, who suffer in public. But they, they want to go back. They were thinking going back. You know what the author said? Okay, stop for a second. Let me show you that Jesus is better. We see better in all the Hebrew. And he began to show them that Christ is better than anything else. Better than the prophet. Better than the angels. Better than Moses. Better than everybody. The everything. Thus, we need to understand that knowing Christ is better. That his righteousness is better. Better than our. We probably have two or three groups of people this morning right here. Those who will clearly say, I don't know Christ. I have only hear about him. Perhaps you memorize verses, come to church, but don't really walk with him. We have probably we had those people here. They said, I don't really don't know him. We had the other group, those who claim to know him, but are distant from him, far from him. I would say to you, repent and look to have intimacy with him, near to him. Probably we have a third group. When you find yourself in this group and you said, I really know him. I know that I know him. But are but not willing to give up everything for him. You're holding something for yourself. Maybe you're trying to earn a right standing with God through some kind of self-righteousness. I talked to you and I said, repent and come to him. Ask for forgiveness. I said, Lord, help me. Help me to understand the knowing you and then your righteousness is better than anything else. Which of those three groups do you belong in? If you find yourself in the first group, thinking or understanding that you know you don't know him, let me tell you that there is hope. There is hope in Christ. Please come to him and have a relationship with him. If you find yourself in those that, that don't give up hope, don't give everything you have, repent. Come to Jesus and say, Jesus, here I am. 
I have nothing to offer to you, only my heart. He won. He won you come to hand and offer everything you have. That's the difference between knowing Christ and knowing about him, about him. When you understand him, when you understand that he is better, he's going to change your life forever. You're going to do things for him. You're going to give up your time, your resources, everything you have for the glory of Christ. That's what he wants from you. He wants you to give up. Say, Lord, here I am. Do whatever you want with me. He wants all your heart. He don't want part of your heart, part of your time. He wants everything you have for him. So he can do amazing things through you and you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to see your glory through your word. Thank you because now through Jesus, your son, we have a relationship with you. Help us to understand that knowing you and your son is better than anything else. I pray so you can help us. We can't do it in ourselves. We need your help because we want to give everything we have for you. Thank you for allowing us to meet this morning and hear your voice and see the example of Paul. And we respond in the same way. And we're willing to give up, give everything we have for your glory and your name. In Christ's name, amen.